Amen. One of the things that we're going to be doing, and uh, I'm actively working on it currently, is to get uh, the lessons that we teach here on Wednesday nights and the messages that we hear on Sunday mornings, amen, uploaded to a podcast. And so um, I'm going to, I've already started to get the podcast together um, on SoundCloud. And so those of you that are a little tech savvy, you can kind of figure out how to get that app on your phone and, and uh, follow its Abundant Life Center. Um, and I'll, I can provide the details. Um, and I'll, I'm going to give an attempt to record this message tonight and see if we can upload it um, so that we can go back and hear it and be encouraged in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And be strengthened. Uh, and those that can't come on the, the weeknights can hear the messages uh, and be a part of what God is doing. So uh, looking forward to that and the things that God, uh, the doors that God will open for us uh, in this new year. Uh, we want to turn our Bibles uh, tonight to the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. And we're going to be talking about here tonight uh, on this simple subject, uh, but there is a lot to it. Uh, it is our identification of holiness. Amen. We're continuing on with the series of studies uh, from the study called called Chosen and Faithful. And, and we're continuing to move on with this Bible study. And tonight we're going to be talking about holiness. Amen. So I've asked Brother Dooley, if you would, to just uh, be prepared to read. And so Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Amen. There's a direct reference from the opening of the scripture that we read tonight, and it talks about before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Amen. It's, been, it's always been the intent of God Amen. From the very foundation of the world, from the creation of the world, amen, that God should have a holy people. Amen. It's always been the intent of God for him, for him to have a people and for his people to be holy. Amen. His people to be separated from the world unto him. Amen. Holiness is conformity to the character and the nature of God. It is an inward work that expresses itself outwardly. Amen. Holiness always begins on the inside and works its way to the outside. It never starts on the outside and then goes on the inside. But it always, when you begin, when you when you're seeking and you're pursuing holiness, you first obtain it in a place of prayer. You first obtain it in the house of God, listening to the word of God, and it first begins to get in your heart and in your soul and in your mind, and you begin to uh, you begin to receive it and understand it and process it in your mind. But then. Somehow it has to start on the inside of your heart and on the inside of your soul. And holiness is a thing of growth. Amen. And we are to be in pursuit of it. Amen. It is an active pursuit. Amen. That the believer engages in pursuing holiness. Holiness deals with the thoughts and the intents, the purposes, the aims, the objectives and the motives of men. Holiness is revealed in a life by every word, 
I'll say that again. Holiness is revealed through a life by every word, every step, and every act being according to God's revealed will. Amen. There is the revealing of holiness in a person's life by the way that they live, by the way that they talk, by the way that they dress, by the way that they conduct themselves. You see it being revealed. You see what's on the inside because, like I said before, holiness first begins on the inside. But as you observe people, you begin to see if a particular individual, amen, is living a wholly separate life before the Lord. Uh, In classical Greek, the pagans used the word holy to mean something set apart for the gods. This is a pagan. uh, This is how the pagans used it in a classical Greek sense. Um, But there is there is. uh, Something that I want to extract from that is that even to the pagan people in Greek times, amen, the word holy, it meant something set, something set apart for the God, something that was set apart, amen, something that was special for a God, amen, and we are to be holy, amen, we are to be a people set apart unto the only one true and living God, amen. For Christians, it means to be set apart for God. Amen. We've heard the term. Amen. And it is very true. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Amen. The, in the Greek, uh, the, the word for church is the ecclesia. Amen. And it is expressed as the called out ones. Amen. The called out assembly. Amen. The church or the people of God have always been ones that are called out, amen, from among the world. They are, have always been ones that have been set apart for something special. They've always been a peculiar people, a chosen generation, a holy nation. Amen. That is the people of God have always been the called out ones. Amen. Holy unto the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 14, if we could go there. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. It talks about follow peace with all men and holiness. If you are following something, it's not a one and done deal. Amen. If I'm following uh, my brother Paul as he walks to the down the road, I don't just follow him for one second and then say I followed him. I just keep following him. Wherever he goes, I follow him. He's going to turn here, I'm going to turn there. And it's that active, it's that, it's that active verb, amen, being holy. It's, it's pursuing something, amen. It is, uh, it is following peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, amen. You say, how important is it to be holy? How important is it to be uh, set apart unto God? Amen. Can I just do what I want to do? Or do I have to be a peculiar individual set apart from the world? The Bible says, without which no man shall see the Lord. Without which no man shall see the Lord. In Hebrews 12 and 14, we are instructed here to follow or to pursue holiness. And I preached, taught about this uh, several months back in the month of in the year 2016, and in the course of pastoring, amen, I see from time to time that it's important, amen, to go back to some of the basics, 
It's important to go back to some of the, the things that ground us as a church. Amen. That it is important to be holy. Amen. It is something, amen, that even in my time of prayer today, I begin to pray again. God, help me to be holy. God, help me to follow after you, God. Help me to still be in pursuit, God. To, to please you, God. Help me to be set apart unto you, God. And as, as I'm in the process of pursuing holiness, as I'm in the process of perfecting holiness in the fear of God, I've got to examine myself and see, have I allowed things to come into my life? Have I allowed that little leaven to come into my life? And has it, has it begun to grow in my life? Or have I, have I, as I begin to reflect back, have I truly been set apart unto God? Am I still in the process of perfecting holiness in the fear of God? Am I still in hot pursuit of the will of God? Am I still in hot pursuit of the mind of God? Or is it something that I just kind of threw on the shelf some months back and said, well, I'm happy, I'm content with where I'm at. Amen. But am I still pursuing it? Am I still going after it? Am I still, amen, in hot pursuit after holiness? To be more like you. I remember years ago my prayer as a young man. I prayed it thousands of times. God, I want to be more like you. I was young and impressionable. And, and there was friends in my life that were doing, doing things. And, and that were not doing things. And, and there was a lot of things going on in my life. Amen. And as a young man, you're just trying to figure out which course you're going to take. Which direction you're going to take. And I began to pray, God, help me to be more like you. God, I don't want to be like the popular the, the popular person in the school. God, I don't want to be like the coolest person in, in the school, God. But I want to be like you, God. And I, I ask you tonight, and I challenge you, is that still, your, is that your desire tonight to be more like Him? Is it the desire of this church tonight, amen, to pursue holiness, to pursue the nature and the character of God? Or are you just looking to the television? Are you looking to the, the world in magazines and saying, well, I want to be like Johnny Depp and I want to be like Angelina Jolie and I want to be like this movie star and I want to be like that singer. I want to be like that person and then like this person. Or is it still your desire? I want to be like you. God, I, I'm in pursuit, God, of, of you tonight. I want to be holy. I want to be holy. I want to be more like you, Lord. It is an active pursuit. It is an active pursuit. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, also validates and, and reveals to us the active nature of pursuing holiness. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. Perfecting holiness and the fear of God. Amen. None of us can stand here and say, I'm perfectly holy. I've accomplished. I'm perfect. I've reached the pinnacle of Christianity. Look at me. Because if we're going to be in alignment with the word of God, and understanding the word of God, as Brother Dooley read in 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, it's perfecting holiness. And so maybe you prayed yesterday, God, help me to be more like you. But you got to hit your knees today. And you got to say, God, today, help me to be more like you. God, help me to have more of the nature and the character of God. Help me to be what you want me to be. 
Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Amen. As we shift gears, amen, from more introducing the subject of holiness, amen, to showing us that holiness is required. Holiness is demanded by God for His people. Amen. It's something that God requires of us. Amen. In Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2, let's read. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. There is the beseeching of the writer of Romans uh, to present your bodies. We started out talking about how holiness is something that begins on the inward parts of the man and expresses itself on the outward parts. And here there's a direct reference to your body, your physical body, amen, being a living sacrifice and holy. Amen. Your, your body should be holy unto the Lord. Amen. It is a temple of God. It is that the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And that's why we talk about how it's important, amen, not to pierce our bodies and to get tattoos and, and, and to mark up our body and to alter the appearance of our body, but to leave it in its natural state and allow the Holy Ghost, amen, to, to uh, shine forth from on the inside. And it, there is no need for outward ornaments. There's no need for outward adornment. Amen. But it's the inward man of the heart. Yes. Amen. That is uh, creating a beautiful temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When you get the Holy Ghost working in your life. When you get the Holy Ghost working in your life. Amen. There's no need to cover up anything. To cover up the face. Amen. There's no need to cover it up with makeup. There's no need to cover it up with dyeing of the hair and, and every other such thing. Amen. But, amen, the inward man of the heart begins to shine forth. The Holy Ghost begins to be revealed through our bodies and through our lives. And we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And the writer here connects the presenting of our bodies to be holy unto God. In direct contradiction to conformity to the world. We're not going to conform to the trends and the fads of the world, but we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And when we are not conformed to the things of this world, but rather we're transformed, amen, we begin to prove the will of God for our lives. We begin to prove the perfect will of God for our lives. We say, I'm not going to be conformed to this world. I'm not going to allow Hollywood to dictate how I'll dress and how I'll talk and where I'll go and what I'll do. Amen. But I'll be transformed, amen, in a place of prayer before God. And I'll see the perfect will of God revealed in my life. You'll see the perfect will of God revealed in your life when you are in pursuit of holiness. Amen. Leviticus chapter 11, 44 through 45. Amen. If we would turn there. Amen. This is going back to the Old Testament. 
And the Lord speaking to the children of Israel. Leviticus is the giving of the law to the people of God. And it reads, go ahead. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the beasts and the fowls of every living creature that move in the water and of every creature that creep upon the earth. So there's that direct words from the Lord. To be ye holy, for I'm holy. Amen. Be ye holy. Not because the pastor said so, but because God said so. Leviticus chapter 11, 44 through 45. For I am the Lord your God, ye shall therefore sacrifice, sanctify yourself, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourself with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Amen. Holiness is demanded, is required by God. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Amen. If we want to please the Lord, amen, we're going to be pursuing holiness. We're going to be pursuing to be like him, to be more like Christ. Uh, If we could go to. First uh, Corinthians chapter five. I'll turn there with you. First Corinthians chapter five, and we're going to be reading from First Corinthians chapter five, verses six through seven. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveth the whole load? Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sanctified for us. Amen. There's um, talking about the leaven. Uh, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, even or as ye are unleavened. Uh, leaven in uh, the old, in, in the word of God, um, is any substance which acts as a ferment to lighten a whole mass, such as yeast. Uh, when you're <coughs> preparing bread or any other types of uh, bakery item, and the women or the baker will put yeast in there to get the bread to rise. And it could even be just a little bit, but it gets that, that lump of, uh, of bread to begin to rise. Uh, and it's just a little bit. That it doesn't need a whole lot, but if there's a little bit of leaven in there, it's going to leaven the whole lump. And that's what the Bible's talking about. Leaven, which is any substance which acts as a ferment to lighten a whole mass, such as yeast, is used in the scriptures as the emblem of sin. The reference to leaven in the word of God that we read in 1 Corinthians, amen, is a reference to sin. Sin, which for a while may seem pleasant will soon be nauseous even to the sinner. Amen. Sin, amen, just a little bit of sin. And you allow that to begin to work in a person's life. Amen. It's not long before you'll begin to see that spread throughout every area of their lives. 
Because they didn't get that thing under control. They didn't get that leaven, that sin out of their lives. That's why it's important to come back to the house of God time after time and hear the preacher preach. Amen. That sin is, is wrong and, and God is not pleased with sin. And you've got to get sin out of your life if you want to please God. And so we've got to come back time and time again to hear the word of God preached. And we've got to begin to, to pick up the word of God in our lives and begin to examine ourselves against the word. And see, is there sin in my life? Am I pleasing God? Am I doing what God's called me to do? Am I, am I doing everything according to the word of God? Because if you allow sin to go unguarded, if you allow it to go unchecked in your life, if you allow sin, amen, to go unchecked in your heart, it will not be long before you'll begin to see other things sprouting up in your life. And it becomes nauseating even to the sinner. We just finished uh, the world around, around, the, around the world, people celebrating New Year's Eve. And I was uh, browsing uh, one of the news websites and they were showing pictures of how uh, Europe and nations in Europe are cel- were celebrating New Year's Eve. And it's disgusting. It, it is disgusting. Because they, the world will glamorize sin and alcohol consumption and going to the dances and the clubs and they'll... they'll uh, Paint it as such a beautiful picture. How great it is to go out and to, and to drink and to, to party with the, the most beautiful people in the world and do this and that and, and carry on and just and just live to self. Amen. But you you see the after effects of the streets littered with trash and you see people laying on the floor in their in their throw up and their vomit. And you see people just laid out and just it's just vile, it's disgusting. Amen. Because sin, when it begins to work in a person's life, it, it doesn't just stop with a little bit, but it will go all the way and destroy a person's life. Yes. It will destroy a person's life. A little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. The very least degree of sin to God is obnoxious. And leaven is the offspring of a sort of corruption and tends toward further corruption. A little sin here. Tomorrow you'll want to go a little bit further. Tomorrow that won't satisfy you. You'll need a little bit more. Because you didn't get the sin checked at the door. And say, God, I repent of my sins, God. I give myself to you again, God. I put it all into your hands. God, I've got to be holy. I've got to constantly be pursuing holiness. And there's that. It's a constant process that the... That the believer engages in. And that's why Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does easily beset us. And let us run. Amen. It's active. Amen. It is actively going after God. It's actively pursuing God. And if uh, if you're running a race, if you're playing basketball, if you're playing football, if you're doing any kind of sport or just exercising and you're carrying a load on your, on your back, amen, you're not going to be able to run effectively. And before you know it, you're going to give up in despair because you can't make the race. Amen. You can't go the distance. And it's the same way with the living for God. Amen. That God wants us to lay aside the weights. To check the sin at the door of the church. And say I'm going forward with God. I'm going to lay aside the weights. And the sin. I'm going to be holy unto God. I'm in pursuit of His presence. I want to please my maker. Yes. 
I want to be holy unto God. I want to be holy unto God. We read it earlier in 2 Corinthians that we are perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So we talked for a little bit about holiness is demanded. And the subject of leaven and leavening the whole lump uh, represents a continual searching for sin in our lives. A continual examining of ourselves. And am I still living right before the Lord? Am I still pleasing God? Is there things in my life that I've got to watch out for? And it's not just coming to church and hearing the message preached and thinking, well, that's for him and that's for her and that's for you and that's for him, but never for me. Because the word of God, should we should be challenged by the word of God. We should look at the word of God and say, is there still yet areas in my life that I've got to work on? How can I continue to pursue holiness? How can I continue to perfect holiness in the fear of God in my own life? What areas are there yet still in my life that I've got to be holy before the Lord in the fear of God? He requires holiness. We've got to search, amen, to make sure our lives stay holy. But there's also that element of separation from the world. If we could go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And verse number 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation? And godliness. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be. In all holy conversation. And godliness. The words that come from our mouths. Are to be holy unto the Lord. They're to be pleasing before the Lord. Separation from the world. Will affect our conversation. Amen. Separation from the world will affect your conversation and the words that come out of your mouth. Every one of, uh, there's been times, amen, no doubt, maybe you've experienced, amen, is you're going to work and you're hearing coworkers talk the way that they oftentimes talk. And then in a, in a heated moment at home or a heated moment on the ball court, that word comes front to mind that you know you shouldn't say, but it's been, you've been hearing it. You've been hearing it. And how much more the people, amen, that intentionally hang out with sinners, amen, that talk filthy. And, and, and perhaps you watch things on, on the uh, internet or the television and, and you're hearing things. And it's affecting your mind. And it's, going, it's, on the, it's getting on the inside and in, the, in a moment it'll come out. Because you haven't been guarding your heart. You haven't been perfecting holiness. You haven't been pursuing Pleasing God. Amen. Separation from the world will affect our conversation. The Bible says only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Psalms chapter 1 and verse 2 says his delight is in the law of the Lord. 
and in his law doth he meditate day and night. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. A side note there in Psalms 1 and 2 is how important it is to stay in the word of God. To stay in the word of God. And I was doing a, uh, fulfilling a survey just this, this uh, past week uh, from another uh, minister that's pursuing uh, their, their doctorate of ministry. And one of the subject was self-care. And in the uh, subject of self-care, it's uh, referring to uh, individuals. In this case, it's uh, directed to ministry. But it's talking about self-care. How do you take care of self? Uh, for a minister, oftentimes you're, you're always looking out for others. You're always trying to help others. But there has to be self-care. You have to take care of self. And one of the questions was, do you make time in your day to just read the Bible for yourself? Do you make time in your day to just read the Bible for yourself? Not so you can prepare a devotion, not so you can prepare a message or a teaching, but just for yourself. It's taking care of self. And it's important, amen, to get in the Word of God every day. Amen. Every day, get that Bible out and just read the Bible. Read the Bible. Uh, true holiness will guide us in our selection of our reading material. The godly person could not bear to fill his mind with the filthy, lustful books and magazines of this world. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. There are people, uh, they would even call themselves Christians today uh, in modern Christendom, that would read romance novels and different magazines that are not pleasing to God. And they think, well, it's okay because I'm not watching anything. But you're reading. You're, you're not delighted in the law of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 33, verses 15 through 16. I want us to turn there. Isaiah chapter 33, verses 15 through 16. He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despises the gain of oppression, that shaketh his hand from holding a bribe, that stoppeth his ear from hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil. He shall dwell on high, his place of defense shall be the uh, multitude of rocks. Bread shall be given him, his water shall be sure. Amen. Talking about the person that walks righteously and speaks uprightly. Amen. Is stopping his ears. From hearing of blood and shutting his eyes from seeing evil. And I begin to ponder that scripture. Uh, there is another scripture in the word of God. Uh, Psalms 101 verse 3 that says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside and shall not cleave to me. And there's uh, the writer of Psalms uh, and the writer uh, of the prophet Isaiah. Amen. Teaching us. 
Amen. To, to be careful with what we put before our eyes and what we allow our ears to hear. Amen. And we ought to be uh, very cautious and we ought to be on guard. Amen. I'm not going to allow things to pass before my eyes. Amen. That are not pleasing before the Lord. That are not pleasing before the Lord. Hallelujah. We must be aware of the vanities and pleasures of the world. And if you are going with the current of the age, you are swimming the wrong way. If you are going with the current of the age in which we're living in, you are swimming the wrong way. For all that is of the world comes of evil. And Jesus calls today and says, follow me, those two important words. I will ask you today, was Jesus found at the local theater in his day? Was Jesus an individual that frequented the sports arenas of his day? Was Jesus seen, do you think, in the amusements of Herodias' court? Think about that. Rather, he was holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. And yet, the God that we served, he died with sinners. But he, he had a line. That I'm not going to engage in the activities you engage in. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach for you. I'm not going to go hang out at the, uh, at the sports arenas with, with everybody else. And I'm not going to hang out at the theaters with everybody else. And, and be amused in Herodias' court. Amen. I, but I'm going to still reach for a soul. But he knew where to draw the line. Hey, I'm not going to partake in the same things you're partaking of. And it would also be inconsistent to disapprove of sitting in a theater and yet approve of sitting in our own living room to watch and allow our family's minds to be contaminated by the murder, the crime, the gambling, the sex, the alcohol drinking, the cigarette smoking, and a hundred other invitations to sin that we find on television. And now, even on the internet, and we have to watch. We have to guard the things that we allow to pass before our eyes. We have to make sure that we are still pursuing holiness. We're still perfecting holiness in the fear of God. In the fear of God. In the fear of God. And these are things that we don't often, we don't, I don't talk about all the time from the pulpit. Amen. But it's important that we address it from time to time. That this is going to be a holy church. This is going to be a separate church from the world. And we're going to be consecrated to God. And we're not going to identify with things of this world. But we're going to identify with the word of God. And we're going to please our maker. Amen. No matter who comes or who goes. I'm going to live holy unto God. And I'm going to please him. And I want to be holy unto the Lord. I want to please my maker. I want to be holy before the Lord. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter three, verses three through four. First Peter chapter three. 
whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or putting or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornaments of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. Amen. It's not the outward adorning of plating of the hair or wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but it is the hidden man of the heart, the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. God is not against ornaments so long as it's the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit. God wants the church, the bride of Christ, to be uh, to have the certain ornaments of a meek and a quiet spirit, not the jewelry and not the uh, the different things that the world uh, will say. You got to use this so you can look good, and you got to do this so you can you can please the opposite sex, or you got to do this to to be cool or to be accepted. But it's the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit. It's a hidden man. Of the heart. The hidden man of the heart. And that's something you don't hear anymore from the different outlets of the world. They're not talking about the hidden man of the heart. They're not talking about an ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. They're talking about every other conceivable thing of the wicked imagination. 1 Timothy 2, 9 through 10 talks about which becometh women professing godliness with good works. And moving quickly to Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 5 talks about the women shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. It's still the doctrine of the word of God for women to dress like women and men to dress like men. For men to wear men's clothes and women to wear women's clothes and not the opposite. And there are those that, there are those churches today, amen, I've seen them, that now it's acceptable for the women to dress like the men. And they say, well, God just wants us to be modest. As long as I'm not revealing anything, I'm okay. But I would tell you today, if dress did not matter, if the way that you dress did not matter, then why is it in the Garden of Eden that God spoke to Adam and Eve and said those fig leaves you're wearing are not enough? Adam and Eve, to cover their sin... They sewed fig leaves together, still revealing probably a lot of their body. And God said, that's not how you should dress. I'll give you a covering. And God put on them animal skins and they were covered. And she had a garment and he had a garment. And dress has always identified people and for the type of people that they are even in the New Testament. We read about that miraculous story of the blind man going to Jesus. 
And the Bible says that he cast away his garment that identified him as a blind man. Because the garments, the dress, the things that you wore, they identified who you were, what type of person you were. If you were a man, you wore a man's clothing. If you were a blind person, you wore a blind man's clothing. And there were certain marks of identity in the word of God that, we, that men dressed like men and women dressed like women. And, and there was a mark of identification by the dress that you wore. And dress has always identified people. And we can move to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 14 through 15. As we continue on this pursuit of holiness to be more like God. To be what he wants us to be. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 14 through 15. Do not even nature itself teach us. That if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame. The word of God teaches us, amen, that the, the men are to have, are to be clean cut, clean shaven. Not to have anything restricting us. Uh, no, no barriers between us and God. Amen. Even from that scripture, that's why a lot of times uh, we teach the young men. We teach the men not to wear hats in church. It's disrespectful. You don't need to cover your head, man. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. In the Amplified Version, it says, Therefore, she should be subject to his authority and should have a covering on her head as a token, a symbol of her submission to authority, that she may show reverence as do the angels. Amen. The long hair on the women, the uncut hair, is a sign of submission to authority. It's a sign of submission. It's having a covering. It's in being in proper alignment with the, the uh, umbrella of authority in our lives. And the Bible makes direct reference in the word of God. In verse 10 says, for this cause of the woman have power on her head because of the angels. There's, there's connection between the long hair of the, the woman and the angels. There's authority. And we read, we know from studying Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through 17, that the only cause for angels to have fallen from their highest state was by rebellion and pride. Isaiah chapter 14 teaches us the reason why the angels fell from their highest state was because of rebellion and pride. And there, there's connection that's it's interwoven throughout the word of God. Amen. That the woman is to be submitted to authority. And it's when the woman will rebel and allow pride to get in her heart, amen, that, that they lose that highest state of authority with God. These are some elements, and I am not doing an exhaustive job of teaching all these subjects, but I want to at least 
talk about it. Because it's important for us as a church to realize we're holy. We're separate. We're not like the world. We're not like everybody else, but we're holy unto God. And finally, the last scripture that I want to talk about is 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 8. For bodily exercise profit little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. There is benefit to exercise. The Bible says that there's there's little benefit as it pales in comparison to that holiness or godliness. Godliness, the worship of God, the fear of God, has a long and wealthy trail of blessings, having the promise both of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Bodily exercise will profit you a little bit. It'll take care of you in this life. But the element, the subject of godliness or holiness that we're talking about tonight is profitable for you for all of time. For the individual says, I'm going to pursue holiness. I'm going to pursue godliness. I want to be like Jesus. I want to have the nature of God in my life. I want his nature to be revealed through my life. Amen. There's promise of, uh, in this life and for the life to come. It's a blessing that will stay with you for all of time. For the individual that will be in pursuit of holiness, in pursuit of godliness. And its profit is not confined to just the body. Amen. Like bodily exercise. But it is shared by the body and the soul. A godly man or woman is one who is right with his or her maker. And when godliness puts our will into conformity with his divine will, and the more fully it does so, the more certainly it secures us happiness in this present life. When these things begin to come together in your life, you will experience peacefulness with your fellow man, peace with God, And a sense that all things are working out for your good. And another higher level of communion or fellowship with the Most High God. Because suddenly you find yourself entering into the presence of God. And God is pleased with your life. And God is saying, why don't you come closer to me? Why don't you come up higher? And why don't you experience more than I have for your life? And the individual that is pursuing holiness and their desires to please God, God leads them and God guides them and God reveals more truth to them. And suddenly maybe they started out in a, in a church that preaches false doctrine, but they have that desire. I want to please God. I, I want to pursue holiness. I want to perfect holiness. Amen. Suddenly they find themselves in an apostolic church hearing the word of God preached and God's drawing them closer and God's drawing them near and to the one that seeks him is the one that finds him. And how bad do you desire to please God? How much of him do you want in your life? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Why don't we stand to our feet for a few moments and why don't we worship the Lord?